0: Hey friends, as you're walking in the door, if you haven't done so already, um, we have uh, two tables, one in the back over here and one over here that has a set of pictures. They're the same pictures in both locations. Uh, Love for you to just look around and pick one of those pictures that you resonate with, meaning not uh, something you just like, but just something about this kind of gets you at a deeper level. All right. Don't overthink it, but grab that picture, take it back with you. We'll get started here in just a minute or so. All right, guys, we're going to start about 20 seconds, 30 seconds, but if you're just walking in and haven't, make sure you grab a picture on the far table over here or over here, same pictures, something you resonate with that resonates with you, um, not just like I like the color red, you know, but like something that's a little deeper, okay? So same pictures back there and back there, it looks like there may be more over here on the left. I want you to grab one of those and bring it back to your table, okay? Okay, So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go and get started here. If you haven't picked a picture, feel free to go pick a picture up. uh, One that you resonate with. Something about that picture kind of snags you, whether you know why or not. And uh, if you're still looking, don't hurry. Take your time. Yeah, you're going to need that tonight. It's a little on the chilly side. Um, I don't know why. I guess we keep it cold so that you will be awake. I don't know why. Okay. Hey, welcome back to week four of Pause. Blair and I have enjoyed this Time of being together and she is out of town this week so she couldn't be here tonight and uh, texted me just a little bit ago. She uh, loves you and is sad she couldn't be here. But um, I'm really excited about where we're going to go tonight as you can see from our uh, opening slide. And what do we do when we are sad? Add to cart. No. Um, we're, gonna, we're trying to relearn what to do when we want to, uh, when we have some uh, cra- experience, all kinds of crazy emotions. So as we always do, I know that everybody needs a little candy in their life. And so, um, so someone tell me what was... I know, I just, that's just grace. I just love him no matter what. Uh, somebody tell me, uh, we talked about Ter- St. Teresa of Avila. There was a quote she said. Anybody remember what it was from last week? If you got your notes, pull them out. Cheat. Lack of self-knowledge. That's exactly right. She has a lot of great stuff on that. You can go back and look at. Okay, fill in the blank. Most of my actions are actually reactions. Oh, wow. This whole table needs some uh, candles. Let's go Skittles and Smarties. There you go. You get a little bit. All right. We, we tried to break down the difference between shame and guilt. We said guilt is one thing. Shame is another thing. Raise your hand if you remember what the definition of guilt was. Anybody? Remember that? David? I did something wrong. Exactly. We said there's a di- that shame is different. What, is sh- what does shame say? Yeah, something is wrong with me. That's exactly right. So uh, we talked about how God wants, uses, well, we'll just say, how, how does shame get removed off of our lives? How, what do we say? Besides the work of the Holy Spirit, he needs to do that. There you go. Someone you view through the lens of dignity, putting honor on you. That's exactly right. Uh, anybody remember someone? How about this table over here? Uh, Trigger. What's the definition of trigger? That's a really beat up Snickers, huh? (laughs) Roy Rogers. Nope. But you get a Starbucks just for that comment. What's the definition of a trigger? Actually, my Bla- I wish Blair was here for that. Her dad, who's 77 years old, when I go to their we go to their home, he has a little rocking horse in his house still that was his rocking horse. He was little, named Trigger after that horse. Definition of trigger? Everybody know it yet? The setup that sets you off. Well done. Okay, you got it. Anybody experience triggers this week? Is that one? Of, is that all messed up? <laughs> oh, oh, is that the one I stepped <laughs> on? I tried to pull it off the one. Vincent did step on one, and I've had to pull it back in the bag. And so blame Vincent, okay? Um, blame him for everything. Anybody, anyway, I was going to say, um, if, if you did deal with triggers this week, that's because you're human, all right? We, I know we all experience those in different ways. And so we talked about the way King Saul dealt with his. We said, before there was a spear, there was a song. Before there was a song, there was a something. Yeah, there was something underneath all of it that um, we had to go and do some digging. Did anybody um, get a chance to do some backward thinking or do some the thing beneath the thing digging this week? Anybody? I know I, I did. I, I, it was a trigger week, honestly. let's be honest. There's lots of stuff going off in this head. Um, I'm smiling at everybody, and my mind's just going like this, and so I had to do some digging. This is kind of vulnerable, but would anybody mind sharing what your thing beneath the thing process was like how did you what did you what experience you had and then how did you kind of back it up and go a little deeper just couldn't be more vulnerable with you and your 80 best friends um don't we don't want you to share the depths of despair or anything Andrew you could um great Luke's gonna run this microphone back to you just like you were at staff meeting in the old days and you are loud but you know just thought that uh thought at least you get to hear it um this is Andrew Bourgeois, everybody. Check.
1: Yeah, so uh, I had a trigger event take place. I was uh, wanting to pound the steering wheel, also thinking about Carl. <laughs> and not, not because of Carl that I wanted to pound the steering wheel, just to be clear. Um, so, like, short story is very early morning, start for work, get in the line, pick up some materials, basically watching some incompetent people take care of their job, yeah. like foolishness. And I'm there, like had put all this effort into being early. My very excited wife gets to pack all four kids to bring one kid to school at 730. The car breaks down on the way to school, and I'm watching incompetent people. Oh, hi. And uh, And so literally I'm, you know, lots of words that I won't, Repeat or coming to mind I'm like I should call Steve Venable he's a safe person (laughs) and I don't for like 30 minutes and the words keep coming so eventually talked to Steve for three minutes and it was just exactly what I need Mm. needed and so he encouraged me to go back and like start thinking through okay and so I was really just po'd you know all of these things coming together and I wouldn't have I obviously was like, okay, I'm angry, but I don't know why I'm angry. So digging down a little bit, it was like, um, it was more the shame element Hmm. that I wasn't aware of that was based on, or I felt shame because the deeper thing was that I felt like my performance as a husband, not being able to get there quick enough as Hmm. an employee, not being able to take care of my responsibilities and then just, whatever else. my I wasn't able to be what I was supposed to be. So that ideal and then where I was, there was this shame element. Wow. So,
0: wow. Came out yeah. with a lot of anger. That's a, that's a lot there. Luke, take him with some smarties and get that microphone back for me. He, he deserves some smarties. Thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate you sharing that and being so vulnerable. Um, and uh, um, I think that kind of leads, and I love that you called Steve Venable, kind of talked that through, um, kind of speaks to the last blank that I have here is, um, I said we cannot be fully loved until we are fully what? Known. Known. Why is that? Someone tell me why that is. Thanks, Luke. I mean, it's a great quote, but there's got to be some meaning behind it, huh? Yeah, yeah. Because if you because if you tell me you love me, but you don't know me, I'm kind of like. Well, if you really knew me, you'd have a different opinion. When I have nothing to hide and you still, when I've shared it all and I have nothing to hide and you still love me, it speaks to something um, deeper. And so um, that's where people come in. So we're going to, if you didn't, again, if you didn't get to get a picture, we want you to be able to grab one of those pictures off one of those far <laughs> tables. It looks like there's more on this side than the other side. But I just want to give you a minute to even practice this now. I'd love for you to just to turn to one person there at the table or maybe two um, at the most. Um, if we were doing a retreat, I'd, I'd spend like hours, I'd love to hear these, but um, I'd love for you to just turn and look at that picture a little bit that you just got, just put it in front of you, just stare at it a minute, and you're going to interact with that pic for a minute and just think, what was it about this that snagged me? And most likely, it's because of either, there's some emotion attached there, either a, a happy one or a not happy one. Um It could be a feeling of frustration or um, desperation or hopelessness or um, brought up some joy from days gone by or something, you know. And I'd love for you just to turn to that other person. I know a lot of times we say, guys with guys and girls with girls. This doesn't have to be in this moment, okay? It's just more just, you know, just share. Like this is what resonated with me about this picture. Here's what I want the other person to do, Okay. On the back of the packet I gave you last week, there was this little worksheet. It's still in the packet you have this week. I'm just calling my empathy worksheet. And so you have some rules for when you respond to them. When you respond to them, after they share their picture, here's what you're not going to do. You're not going to give them any advice. You're not going to tell them how awesome they are and cheerlead them. And you're not going to tell them your story of how you relate to them. You are literally just trying to feel what they feel with them. Okay? That's what empathy is. I'm just going to feel what you feel. So you're going to say words like, they, let's say it's on the negative side. They might, you might say something like, wow, that sounds like you're carrying a whole lot right now. And um, that must be really difficult. And I'm so thankful you would trust me and tell me your story. Okay? Or if it's on more on the positive side, so I'm so glad that you are getting to encounter that type of peace right now. Um, and you're getting to really encounter God's heart for you like that. And I'm I'm gonna still be cheering you on. It's like a couple sentences. All right. So for those of us that are wordy, it's not easy. Okay. All right. All right. So do that now. Turn to one person. Maybe if there's three at your table, you just do three. But uh, but again, as you share that picture, don't go too long. Again, you just got you got a couple minutes. And, uh, and then respond. Go for it. Who's done? Anybody done yet? We're not in any hurry. We're in no hurry. But if you're done, got some time? still? Yeah, keep going. Sounds like some people are still going. That's great. We're in no hurry. So how, how was that experience for you? I'd love to hear from a couple folks. Like I said, I wish we could just spend about 10, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and not be in a hurry. Um, how was that experience for you? Now, being a typical male was weird. My feelings, <laughs> not <in my> <laughs> typical male, hard to share feelings. Yeah, that's understandable, Brad. Totally get it. Totally get it. Somebody else. Mm. Both re- the picture indicated something's going on in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's actually kind of funny how you do that. like, I think I get that. And you go sit down and you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> I might need to go spend time with Jesus, you know, leave the class and go pray a little bit. Yeah. How is it uh, giving empathy to your friend or receiving empathy from your friend? A little uncomfortable, isn't it? Yeah. And Kelly's pretty amazing. She's pretty she's pretty awesome. But not by normal nature is like if she's telling
1: me something, I'll
0: fix it. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you're not the only person who had that experience in the room. Um, we're all Mr. Fix It. Um, and uh, but it takes such a, a it's a different type of discipline to do to do that. We're gonna I'm gonna share why about in just a minute. But um, if, you, if I, I do need those pictures back, so if you' like your picture, take a picture of that picture <laughs> and uh, save it, make it your screensaver or something okay um, but you know on the on the front page of your packet, it says the name of our of our class is about renewal, spiritual renewal right and when I think about renewal there 's a verse that comes to my mind it's 1-3. We're gonna it 's psalm one three we 're going to put on the board i 'd like you to read it with me if you would one, two, three. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. How just refreshing is that to read? Um, again, but when we think about what we've been sharing about the soul and the, the, the fact is that spiritual renewal can't be based on whatever I do, just all my circumstances going the right way, right? There's got to be something much deeper. Uh, Third John two, we read that actually the first week. I don't know if you remember this. It says that beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So it's that soul prospering. How's your soul doing? That we've been talking about week after week. Okay, and so um, what I thought we would do is we're going to immerse ourselves right now in one of the Psalms of Scripture, and you're going to feel a little weird. Okay, you've already felt weird sharing feelings and, you know, giving empathy. You're about to feel weird doing this as well. Anybody stand to your feet, if you will. When I say weird, I just mean kind of cheesy or kind of childlike, okay? Um, so uh, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 1, and uh, I'm going to read it in its entirety. And I just want you to notice that there's a pattern of formation happening in this chapter, and there is a Uh, pattern of malformation that occurs in in Psalm chapter 1. So I'm just going to read the whole thing, and you can look for the pattern, and uh, then we'll start doing some stuff. All right, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water Which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So maybe you saw it kind of separate a little bit there, but you're going to get to see it and live it, okay? We are actually going to start being very active, okay? So we're going to start with being very wicked, all right? We're going to practice being wicked, okay? Um, We don't really need practice for that, but we actually are going to practice Psalm chapter 1, the malformation we see there. It says that the wicked walk as they want. So I want everybody to start walking wherever you want. Go. You should walk. just wherever you want. You're, right now, you're walking where you want. If you're mad at me for doing this, you're not walking far. <laughs> you're just reacting as you want. You're living as you want. You're taking in the world as you want. Just keep going. You can end up wherever you want to. Up, oh, Yeah, up here. Great. Glad that we got some people back here as well. All right. It says, if you do this, though, eventually you will stop and you will stand is what it says. So wherever you are, stop. The wicked, it says that they will stop and they will stand and not just stand they're a little stubborn so let's cross our hand we're we're gonna be really stubborn all right because this is the way that the wicked pathway goes all right so now you're really stubborn y'all look really y'all are really nice stubborn y'all got smiles of stubbornness okay um but this says that if you stand eventually the wicked then it says that they will sit and mock so i want you to just sit wherever you are you can sit on the ground sit on a chair whatever cross your legs if you want to i want to see some grumpy faces can't do it, can you? Can't do it. Kendra, that's the nicest <laughs> nicest grumpy face I've ever seen, Kendra. Uh, here we go. Just grumpy, okay? So you're going to sit. This is the way the wicked goes. They started walking. They got stubborn. And they stood. Eventually, they sat. Now, what happens after that? Number four. It says they'll be blown away. So now you're back up, and we're going to practice some slow-mo. You're going to get blown away while... You're going to breathe out and just blow away. Ready? I want to see you all do it. Here we go. You're Moving, moving. And if you do this long enough, it says that you will end in destruction. So let's see some great drama days explosion. Just great. Now your life's been totally blown up by Psalm chapter one. Okay. Let's flip it and let's become righteous. How's that sound? Okay, you say you're going to like it. You're not going to like it. Okay, it says that they delight. So there's delight. So let me see those pearly whites and smiles. And now we're going to start delighting. You have to move, though. I want you moving around. You can skip. I want to see some skippers. I see some skippers. Good. Skippers. Guys are like, I'm not skipping. Uh, Skippers, dancers, high-fivers. Now notice, there's a lot of joy in the room, right? We got some high-fiving, some hugging, some dancing. I like it. Now it says, now you can come to a stop, you can keep your smile on if you want to, but it says that the righteous will, will meditate day and night. So you can just close your eyes. You were with us last week, we learned the Jesus prayer of, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Just with that smile on your face, just say that to yourself, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Several times. Just exhale, inhale. The mercy of God, not just for the forgiveness of our sins, but for the washing of the wounds and the weary places and the blind places. And if we meditate on Him day and night, says they will yield fruit. So let's get some hands going. Let's start yielding some fruit. We can kick some fruit out if you want to. I mean, you are a fruit yielder now because of this, this formation you've been a part of. And here's what's so beautiful is it leads to what? Prospering. This is where you just... So funny, y'all all did it. I didn't even tell you. People just start going... Oh. You know, just the, the shoulders come down where all is well. You just say, it's well with my soul. So go take a seat. Good job. High five some folks and say you did it. You made it through um, Carl's weird um, experiences. But I do need one volunteer to come up here. Just someone who's doesn't mind getting up in front of everybody. I won't make you share anything. Come on, Jenny. You can do it. Um, this is not going to be hard. Okay. Take this microphone here. You're going to direct me, okay? Okay. Okay. So we're going to walk through the different parts of the soul. Okay? Because what we just did was a little bit of an, an immersion, okay? Do you remember all these four parts of the circles? The <laughs> okay, so this first one is? Will. Will. Great. Second one is? Mind. 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 Third one is? Body. 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 That was bad. Okay, next one? Yeah, the social dynamic, my relationships, and then on the outside is the soul. So the soul is the deepest part of you. It's also the part everybody uh, feels about you, all right? So with what just happened, help me. We just did all this this experience right here, Jenny. How was that a social experience?
1: How was that a social experience?
0: Yeah, what you just did. we were what, all together. It, all together. Anything else?
1: No.
0: Okay, great. <laughs> what about the body? How was that a, a experience? Of your body we was moved it? Moved our body. Okay, you moved. Oh, I was gonna say with together, you also like interacted, right? Yes. So there was sometimes it was high fives. I saw some dancing. You may not have seen skipping. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and so, well, actually, let's do that. Let's do this here. Body, we were skipping. Great. All right. Mind has to do with two things thoughts and your feelings. All right. So, what did we do just now that had to do with our mind? Meditated. We meditated. Probably some other things too, but let's keep it simple. Will, heart, Spirit, all the words that the scriptures use to describe the core of our being, all right? So how do we just use that? It's a little trickier.
1: We chose to do it.
0: That's exactly right. We just said that this was made, it's made for one thing only. Remember what it is? I heard it. Surrender. That's right. Surrender. So we chose to do this. You could have just sat there and been stubborn at me and mocked me for doing that. But <laughs> So I did tell you to do it, but you chose to do it. You surrendered to it. So you don't even realize what you just did by walking through a psalm. You were walking through a soul alignment practice. That if there were places of disintegration, I'm not saying we just totally healed everything inside of your life, okay? I wish it was so easy that you could go skip and blow and sit down and high five and it, it would all get better. But you actually did something that God psychologically wired you for, which is to pray the Psalms, which are a gift for those of us at the wall, by the way, is to pray the Psalms and to see where, we're, is where all of these places come into full alignment. And so you even begin to sense from other people, you can feel from other people what's going on inside of them. There's a little bit of this alignment happening. So thank you, Jenny, for being so bold. Josh, you got a good one. You got a real good one. Yeah, Question. <laughs> I'll be really honest. I prayed that a lot this last year um, um, because I don't think that my, my prayer of Lord, let their heads be dashed on the rocks that David said, you know, um, I don't think my prayer really is, you know, God, I want these people to be murdered. But I think that part of what God's trying to do in us is interact with our grief and our pain and say, God, what I feel like is I wish these people would die. That's what I feel like. Do I need to say that from the stage? Probably not. Probably not. But if I can't take that to God and trust that he's big enough, then he's not God. Apparently, I've got to babysit his emotions. And I need to, I need to be able to come and safely say, as your son right now, here's what I think. Here's what I'm feeling. And I just know that, of course, I'm, I don't want to live in that toxicity all the time of hatred for others. But I need to be able to say, Lord, what happened hurt. Like this is what I'm actually feeling. It's that level of emotional honesty that I think we should be able to bring. And I think that's one of the reasons David was called a man after his after God's own heart, you know. And even last week when we were talking about those emotions and those griefs that we have that we don't even know that we have, I think that's why praying the Psalms helps us. It actually gives us words for what we what we feel we don't even know that we feel, um, you know. And it may be that in what we've been talking about, some stuff from your past has come up. It's not been easy. Um, and if so just know that um, that's part of the the that's part of the process and that's part of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you as a shepherd he wants to tend to those places and you might need to take some time and get some space you might need to to meet with a counselor uh, like I do and and have done um, I think I don't know I just think counselors a lot of time get a bad rap like, oh I'm doing so bad I got to go see a counselor and I thought if I had been seeing a counselor about 10 years ago I probably wouldn't have seen as much counselors as I did this last year because I would have kept it tended as opposed to hey here's 47 years of life could you fix that you know and I'm uh, really grateful for that and I hope that um, you could get that as well if you need it but um, anyway, I, I, I think that where we're headed tonight also will also be uh, a source of comfort for you especially where we're going to end this evening so um, let let's jump in. Because because tonight we're going to turn a corner, and I'd like to give you a vision for spiritual formation. What I just shared out of Psalm One was a process of where there is formation and malformation, um, and I hope you've been catching week after week that the formation of a um, human soul is the most beautiful and important thing going on in the universe. The formation of a human soul—you are a soul, and the formation of a human soul—it's the most. Beautiful, important thing going on in the universe. Galatians 4.19 is kind of the spiritual formation mantra, um, a life verse for me. It says, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And maybe to put that in a different way, it's like God's wanting you to all hear, I'm making you children again. More than just skipping, when you are at the wall spiritually, it brings you to your nothingness. It brings you where you're like, gosh, I've been a believer for a lot of years and something's not right. I'm not, I'm stuck. And you can, in that place of feeling stuck, you are more dependent than you've ever been like a child. And God is like literally bringing you back to that place. And so you might feel like I'm learning how to do everything all over again. I didn't think I'd be thinking this way or going through this at 50 years old. What's the point of this? The purpose is that Christ is formed in you. That's the gift he's giving. He's. It may feel pointless and purposeless and painful, but it's actually a gift. God is forming Christ in you. So these last few weeks, um, I wasn't trying to do three different teachings. We were actually kind of walking down a cobblestone par, uh, pathway. And week one is like, let's Let's figure out what our spiritual GPS coordinates are. Where are we spiritually? And we learned that for a lot of us, we're at the wall. We're at a weary place, and that's that's totally okay. And so we started saying, okay, well, here I am. Um, if I force my way through the wall, it's not going to happen. I'm going to have to surrender here. And so we learned that prayer, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And I've heard that different ones you've been doing that. You've been practicing just, God, I'm trying to surrender all over again. That was week one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Week two we learned that maybe we're there because we haven't watched over our souls. In fact, we didn't know what our soul was, what it did, or how it was affected. And then last week, if you were here, we shared a little bit more about how those lies and emotions and untended wounds can really bring some disintegration to our soul. And uh, we touched on that some, and that's where we talked about the empathy. When Blair came up and was hearing me share about some of those things I was feeling when I when she interrupts me and doing the deeper dig and what was going on, and she was giving me empathy in that place, I was getting what I needed internally to be able to continue to fight that fight. So what I have there in your packet, I want you to put this down, is that empathy is oxygen for the soul. Empathy is oxygen for the soul. As I said before, I thought empathy was kind of a soft emotion that sweet people have that I am void of. And I didn't realize that really empathy actually, when someone feels what you feel almost before you feel it, it validates what you're feeling and it is a picture of the father heart for you. For example, we're at Family Devo's this week. One of my children expressed that there is a person in their life they cannot forgive and they have tried and they cannot do it. And someone told them when they, when they shared this with someone, someone said, well, you know, if you don't forgive, God can't forgive you. And so she was like, so dad, does that mean that I'm, I'm not forgiven by God because I can't forgive? And I said, you know, to be quite honest, I think we in the Christian world, in our attempt to be right before God, if I as a father were to tell you, yeah, get over it and forgive them, what kind of father would I be? Like If if years down the road, you're still carrying unforgiveness, that's toxicity inside of you that I don't want to be inside of you for your own sake. But if I say, hurry up and forgive, I bypass all the injury you just went through. And so probably more than forgiveness right now, you need empathy for what you have gone through. And what you went through, it was no little matter. There was a, a real betrayal. There was some public humiliation. And so if you say, I forgive that person, that's good. That's a good first act. But to then act like it's okay, it actually betrays the healing process God's wanting to do inside of you. So yeah, if in a year you still carry a lot of unforgiveness, we'll deal with that. But there's an event of forgiveness, but then there's a process of forgiveness. And a lot of times in that process, um, there needs to be some empathy that we give people. And then they experience God's breath and they, you know what? I think I can forgive. So empathy really is oxygen for the soul and something that we could, um, we could probably all use a little bit more of. And so, but I say all of those three things we've been sharing about, this is all about spiritual formation and you being uh, formed into the, the likeness of Christ, because here's the truth. All of us in this room, we are all being formed at all times, whether we realize it or not, right? And you know that, you know that this is the case. Um, this is not a, a shocker to you that all day, every day, you're being formed and shaped. We're all being apprentices of something all day long. The question is, what are we being shaped into? What are we being formed into? And what I've been learning even more is that if I don't live very intentionally, then there is an unintentional process of formation that occurs in my life. Because there are things coming at me and you that are trying to shape us every day. I'm gonna name a few of those right now that we can we can walk through, and, and maybe this will be helpful for you. The first is narratives that we believe. Narratives that we believe. So I said last week when the interrupt when I talked to Blair about the fact that I'm having these anger moments about interruption, it's really that I feel stupid. So if I'm living with the narrative that I don't even know I'm living with, that I just feel stupid. Everybody knows how to figure out life. I can't figure it out. If that is a narrative I'm living in, it's going to be really easy for you to step on a landmine in me and cause some frustration. But that story is shaping me, and that, that narrative is about me. But I have narratives about you that are playing in my head all the time as well. So I have narratives about you and narratives about me that are playing at all times. That's why I go, how do people without the Holy Spirit make it? Because we need the Holy Spirit to come and expose this like as He wants to so that He can do the beautiful dig-up and, and, and healing process. But it's, just not, it's not just the narratives we believe, it's also the habits we do. If you're a parent, this is why you, you watch over your children's habits because you know th- uh, that this is true. There's a book called The Power of Habit, and the author says this, We are little more than a cumulative effect of our daily and weekly habits. What we do on a regular basis is who we become. In other words, the things we do, do something to us. And so if I'm just going about my day, there's narratives playing, and I'm just doing what I want to do, it's actually shaping me more than I realize. Third thing is the relationships that we maintain. And again, I know you know this, you know, you're going to end up Voting like your friends, you're going to eat where your friends eat. You're going to go on vacations where your friends recommend you you go. You probably want to live near your friends. You're going to spend time and money like the people that you work with, or go to school with, or go to church with, uh, whatever. There's just uh, there's a constant place. Again, that's not criticism. This is just our humanity. This is the way uh, we we are rigged, okay? And all that occurs within the context of your environment, your environment. And when I say environment. Of course, I mean, uh, you know, your your work world, uh, your play world, um, your city, your roommates, More than anything, your family of origin. I, we could do a whole session on that, but unless Bill's here, I'm not doing that, um, my counselor. But there, those things actually shape us drastically. You know, Emily. I mean, uh, not Emily, Emily. Cindy and I were emailing about the fact that. Um, just how we've been more aware that our phone has become our environment more than ever before. Has anybody else noticed that, how much our phone is? In our house, we have a little game. Let's see if we can say a random phrase over and over on the phone and how long it'll take Instagram to send us an ad. <laughs> Y'all ever done this? You just start walking around going, hot pocket, hot pocket, <laughs> hot pocket, hot pocket. Haven't had one since sixth grade. Hot pocket, hot pocket. Eventually, Instagram is going to send me. Yeah, oh, it's, it's coming, it's coming my direction. If I just, I could accidentally tap on a, on a news article. Let's say I I I just happen to choose Fox News. There goes my news articles, all conservative. I accidentally hit the Democratic person. There's all my news articles, totally reshaped to be uh, maybe a, a left leaning side. The phone becomes the portal through which I now view and experience my life. So it's becoming more of our environment. Then we, then we realize and social scientists are just now kind of tapping into what that has done to us, both the good and the bad. So there's, that's what everything I just shared. That's, the, that's kind of the unintentional process that's shaping us at all times. Okay? Last week we talked about some of the things we don't see. This is some of the things you probably do see if you just pause and take a minute and, and take it all in. So if that's the case, then what we all have to do as apprentices of Jesus is we have to intentionally go through a process that undermines all that. Right? We have to go through a process that's going to lead us to be shaped into the image of Jesus and experience the wholeness that He wants for us to be shaped into His image. Um, if y'all thought I quoted Dallas Willard a lot the last three weeks, we're really going to quote him a lot tonight, okay? If you don't know who Dallas Willard is, by the end of this class, you will feel like he was your grandfather, because um, he is the father of what's, he's often called the father of spiritual formation, and I think up in Wheaton, they have the Dallas Willard Spiritual Formation Center, and uh, just so many wonderful books that he wrote. Um, a lot of them are very dense and kind of hard to get through, so I'm trying to kind of give you the nuggets so you get it. Um But he says this. He says spiritual formation in the Christian tradition is a process of increasingly being possessed and permeated by the character traits of Jesus as we walk in the easy yoke of discipleship with Jesus, our teacher. I love that he says being possessed and permeated, like overtaken and infiltrated. And the result is easy yoke, this relaxed renewal that we're able to experience so if, if this is our invitation to be an apprentice of Jesus, and this is a prayer I pray regularly, Lord, I want the deeds and the personality of Jesus to be effortless in me, like tying my shoe. It's just effortless that your deeds and your personality, as I'm an apprentice of you, this is what effortless comes out of me. However, that is a very slow process to be make that a reality, it can't be hurried. So along those lines, what I thought I'd do is, if we're sharing, as we're sharing about spiritual formation, I'm going to give you three movements of spiritual formation tonight. Um, before we do some practices at the end, uh, the first movement of spiritual formation is to pursue a slowing. Pursue a slowing. Um. If we're going to pursue a spiritual formation that undermines the unintentional malformation of our our society, then I'm going to need to slow down my soul because my soul was not made to keep up at the pace of our modern world, where we started the very first week with that little story of the, the travelers through the African jungles. Like your car could have probably came here at 70 miles per hour. Your soul wasn't made to do that, though. So we are moving at a pace that our soul can't always keep up with. It's actually interesting when Dallas was asked what to do to to see a deeper spiritual formation occur in his life. He said, you must resist hurry because it is incompatible to the love, peace, and joy of God. Hurry is the greatest enemy of spirituality in our culture. Now remember, we said the first week, Busy is an outer condition of the body. Jesus was often busy. Hurry is an inner condition of the soul, and he was never hurried. Which is why Dallas would continue to say, in the kingdom you can never do anything if you are hurried. What a quote. I'm like, wow, I did a lot of stuff. Uh, Don't know how much kingdom power it had on it, but you can never do anything if you are hurried, so you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And maybe some of you have heard that quote before. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Actually, it was a man that was mentored by Dallas. And he said, um, walking with Dallas closely, I realized he had his own time zone. His time zone was unhurried. And something about that just stuck with me. Maybe that's because, mainly just because that's not my grid for life. Um, But I want to make it clear, once again, this is not just about whether you have a lot on your plate or whether you're in a season of life that has a lot of margin um, or not. It's not what it's about. It's an invitation to what Pete Cazero, author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he calls a slow down spirituality. This is not about whether you were busy today and rushed to get here at six. That's not what I'm talking about. This is a slow down spirituality because I cannot simultaneously increase my speed and intensity in life and simultaneously increase my peace, rest, and joy in God. That will be incompatible. And that can be very frustrating if you're like, but I'm a speed person, okay? So stick with me and I'll help you through that. And you won't, you'll kind of hate me at the end, but not as much as you do now, okay? And again, I, I say this because a lot of times in our world, we think there are two types of people and there's two types of preferences. There are certain people, they just like to move slow. And I'm like, great get over in that aisle, y'all all go slow together. Can all of us who actually know how to drive and do grocery carts and do stuff at stores, we're going to go on this aisle, right? So I would say there's two types of people, but I'm not talking about there's the people who like slow and they like monastic practices. They can't wait for the Good Friday contemplative service Antioch does every year. They get it all out of their system. like, like that's, There's those types of people And then there's these other types of people. But I've since been realizing that there actually is a contemplative experience that God wants to give us and marry that with the charismatic experience that most of us have grown up experiencing in the evangelical world. And there's movement number two, that we would marry the contemplative with the charismatic. Okay? Now, I told my wife during my sabbatical, I was like, a couple times, she was just like, I don't know who you are. You're reading about monks, and we're going to monasteries, you know, and, and I said, I don't know. I just feel like I'm becoming a contemplative charismatic, and I don't even know what that is. And, uh, and then I went to this conference, and I heard someone say, we're the contemplative charismatics, and I was like, Blair, that's what I said. I didn't even know there was a tribe of these people. Um and she's like, I know, but you've been in a midlife crisis. So, you know, and I was like, maybe so, but maybe God actually intended this to happen for the purposes of renewal. So what I want you to do is you've got a little T-chart there in your notes. One says, one side says contemplative, one side is charismatic. love for you to have a little discussion at your table for just a couple minutes around when you think contemplative, what comes to mind, and when you think charismatic, what comes to mind. Again, don't think charismatic like swinging from the chandeliers, yelling in tongues. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about more of... Although I'm great with that, and I love that. I'm talking about more of just our external um, interaction with God, okay? So best you can, have a little conversation. When you think contemplative, what does that mean to you? When you think charismatic, what does that mean to you? Just a couple minutes. Ready, to go. What's something you said for the uh, charismatic experience? What's a word or a phrase you use to describe that? Huh? Outward? Outward? Vocal, yeah. Did I hear someone over here? And all people say high energy. Typically, that's that flag waving. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Anybody else? Spontaneous. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times, there's. Uh, it, it's more crowd centric. Um, um, you know, world mandate. Obviously, we were trying to get a lot of people there and to experience that together, a very charismatic um, experience. Um, This could also be very passionate, typically focused on encounters with a lot of passion. Um, Emotions are experienced in that oftentimes. Um, Yeah, all kinds of things. I would also say typically in a a charismatic experience, um, intercession is the key type of prayer. So you see a lot of beautiful intercession happened. Again, world mandate is a great example of that, where we prayed for the nations and felt a lot of passion and you know, had to move a guy right out of the way at the last second from the confetti cannon so that he didn't die <laughs> from confetti during Jaira. Um, a lot of, lot of joy in the house for sure. Okay. Contemplative. What word do you use there? Quiet. Quiet. Waiting and stillness. Meditating. Meditating. Inner, deep. an inner deep work. Yeah. Peaceful. Peaceful. Comfortable. Yeah, comfortable. Yeah, we usually even say, get comfortable. Inhale, exhale. That's right. Reflective. 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 Yeah, a lot of time to reflect. That's why a lot of times it, it focuses more on the intellectual, uh, more on the introverted side of us. Why like some introverted people like that, but it's not for introverts. There's just in an introverted side that that often um, taps into. Personal. And, personal. Yeah, it's more personal than crowd-centric often, even though you can have a contemplative experience with tons of people. There is often, it often folk leads more to the, to the personal, uh, alone side of things. A lot of, a lot of times you do in this place read the Desert Fathers and the Mystics and crafted prayers and breath prayers, uh, like, into your hands I commit my spirit. 2 Corinthians 3 is where contemplative prayer emanates from. It says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And the connotation of this is you can't transform yourself. This is the path of spirituality we've been talking about where I can contemplate him and I can't make myself more joyful, but as I just am able to contemplate, meditate on him, I'm able to be transformed into that person. So oftentimes there's a call, there's disciplines involved here that involve abiding in Jesus. And and I just want to say for those of us who are at the wall spiritually, contemplative prayer is a gift. It's a gift. And and here's why. Because in the evangelical world, most of us learned that the definition of prayer is talking to God. And what began to spew out of that is the only way we know how to pray is in intercession. The only problem is that when you are exhausted and soul weary, prayer is a burden. Everybody's had that thought of, I should be praying more. And if you've had that thought, and especially if you're weary, this is where I talk to people in private, they're like, I don't pray. I don't remember the last time I really sat down and prayed. Or if I did, I just stared at a wall. And I go, that's, that's because John 15's call to abide is much different than intercede. Both are needed. Like if I go to jail tonight for my faith, I need y'all to go to the prayer room and pray and not be like, we're just going to sit in quiet. No, I need y'all to get in there, swing from the chandeliers, yell in tongues until Peter and Carl get released from prison. Right There is work of prayer. There is warfare for your children. There is, there is places we can tend, like Trey talked about yesterday um, in church. But that's why when you are so weary, typically you won't pray because that's the only side of prayer you know. And the gift to just, I'm going to just, as Ronald Roheiser says, he defines prayer as relaxing into God's goodness. Just close your eyes for a minute. And repeat those four words with me, relaxing into God's goodness. Let's say that together. Relaxing into God's goodness. Just keep your eyes closed and think about that for a second. What do you think about the fact that prayer is relaxing into God's goodness? Just think about that for a minute. How many of you would say that something inside of you loves that, but if you're honest, something in you resists that? Anybody? Bet a lot of us, we love it, but we kind of resist it. So I'll tell you in a minute why you, that might be the case. But I, I, want you to, I want you to go through this process because I want us to see that it's not like one or the other is better. Actually, both are built on theologies of experiencing the presence of God right that's what we want we want to experience the presence of god the problem is just the way carl gully is reared i'm just i'm just not a very slow contemplative person and so it doesn't come natural to me so but when i read psalm 46:10 be still and know that i am god something always speaks to me deeply about that the problem is You're looking at a guy who told his administrator just several years ago, "If we could, our goal is to do two days of work in every day, and if we do that, we can keep this church going." So I told Meredith, "Your job is: we do two days of work every day. We can keep the church going. What it it needs to be gone. Run." Right before I went sabbatical, a guy told me, (laughs) "He goes, Carl, um, you're going to always be known as the guy who has to leave meetings." and we see you sprint down the hall to the bathroom and back because you don't have time in your schedule to take a potty break. And I was like, "Uh, okay. When I told that to my counselor, he almost fell out of his chair laughing. And I was like, I don't think that's real funny. It was kind of a rebuke. And he's like, Carl, he goes, then I need to bring you to a new type of AA meeting. He's like, you ever been to one of those? And I was like, oh, I've been. He's like, what do they do? He goes, I'm Bill, and I'm an alcoholic, and what do all y'all say? Hi, Bill. That's right. Hey, we're all with you, Bill, right? And he's, but Bill, the reason I love Bill is because he was a hard-charging leader like me who hit a wall and then just did, lost his identity, didn't know who he was, and God had to rebuild him from the ground up. And so he said, Carl, when we get together, we ought to say, hi, I'm Carl. I'm an adrenaline addict. And I'll look at you and say, hi, Carl, and I'll just hug you. And I was like, thank you for understanding me. You know, like somebody gets it, you know, that that's the way I'm rigged, Okay. But that's also one of the reasons I couldn't understand why when I hit the wall, God wasn't rescuing me. My whole theology says, let God be true and every man a liar, which means if I'm not working, it's my fault, not his, brings a lot of shame and I can't get this thing to shake. And my theology is built on the fact that it says like immediately, the word immediately is like 16 times used in Mark. Immediately God showed up and immediately God showed up and he's not showing up immediately in giving me the gift he gave everybody else, something is drastically wrong with me. The gift God gave me the last couple of years was this slow down spirituality and an internal rest that says maybe what God's trying to do is say, yes, that is true, but you often think that if A, B, and C happen in your life, you can make D happen. And he wants you to abandon the outcome to him. He wants you to abide with him. He wants you to find rest in him And that is a slow, slow work, not because slow is a punishment. Dear friends, he's not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness to be. This is not punishment. This is not he is inactive. This is he's actually saying, what if we just did life with each other? So again, slow can be very discouraging, Um, but I think it can give you hope that it's that the process you're in is not pointless. And it leads to our third and final movement, and that is to undermine malformation with formation. Undermine malformation with formation. Can we all read Romans chapter 12, verse 2 together? 1, 2, 3. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In order to in other words, in order to um, undermine the unintentional formation that this world is trying to shape us with, there's going to be, need to be an intentional process that we step into that undermines all of that, okay? So we said that there's narratives we believe, there's habits we do, and there's, what's the other one, uh, relationships we have all within the context of our environment. What could undermine that? The first thing that can undermine that is experiences. We will need experiences that undermine the narratives we believe that are not true in order to be given a vision of a better life. Like I said, this part right here is transformed by, experience, by surrender, and oftentimes this is experiences. matter of fact, um, when, when people were asked what are the two places you found most of your spiritual growth, growth in your life, it was either short-term missions or s- suffering that came to the table. Nobody said it was my doctorate in theology. It was the experience they had that began to transform them at their core. Second thing, we will need community that exposes our weaknesses yet encourages us in our apprenticeship to Jesus. That's why I said our mantra as a class is what? Better to go to Dairy Queen and eat with your friends than to eat ever, but alone. That's right. The broccoli alone. That's right. Third thing we're going to need is we're going to need practices that transform us over time. Practices that transform us over time, all within the context of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit, we're practicing His presence, we're abiding with Him, and He becomes the dominant force in our life and our work more than our phone or any other thing. So what I'd like to do is spend this last, we've got 23 minutes, last 23 minutes hitting that last number three, that one about practices. Because this is straight out of the heart of Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. You have heard this so many times. You see the word practice. When I get there, say it with me. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, streams rose, winds blew, beat against the house. It fell with a great crash. So, Um, one of the things Dallas was famous for saying was that one of the greatest disservices we had ever done to the body of Christ was to tell them to try hard to be like Jesus. And his quote was always, don't try, train. Don't try, train. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So a little question for you. How many of you right now, if I took you out on a golf course, could shoot in the 80s right now? Raise your hand. Russell's almost there? You're almost in the 80s? Okay, di- Okay. different question. How many of you could go out and shoot in the 80s if you tried really hard? <laughs> Everybody's like, uh, Yeah. No, you wouldn't be able to do it. Here's why: because actually, the harder you try to play in golf, the worse you do. That's why we love the first nine; we hate the back nine, right? We're doing so good; it got in our head. But we started trying harder. My brother Jay's Mark learned this on one of his first golf outings. He's like doing great on the driving range, and first three holes he slices or shanks. And hole four, I'll never forget. I can still see my head. Wish I had a video. I can still see him going. And he just threw his club. You know, the ball went that way. Club went that way. He just walked off, like just left everything. And I'm on the ground laughing. He's like, shut up. And I'm like dying laughing. I'm just like, you thought you were going to be Tiger Woods because you hit four balls good on the driving range. But sometimes we do that in spirituality, don't we? We're like, well, I went to World Mandate. I mean, I got that missions thing. It's just... Right? We all do it. But my son Jackson I mean, he started playing when he was little, then he stopped playing during his growing up years of soccer, and then he got back into golf last summer. He played every day, I mean every day, at least 18 holes. 110 outside, he played 18 holes. And at the end of the year, at the end of the summer, he was hitting in the, in the high 80s. Because he tried hard? No, because he trained. And I think in the Christian world, we have beat ourselves up way too long for the spiritual practices we all wish we were better at. We just beat ourselves up. Are you good at Bible study? How about you? You good at prayer? Anybody good at fasting? Oh. oh. I just won't show up for that little three day prayer and fasting they do. I just, don't you know, even. I'm not good at that, okay? Because why? Because we think that just being good at the disciplines is the goal. The disciplines were always the means to get us to our goal, which is to be free and filled with love and to find Jesus. So when the disciplines become the end, you got a problem. Actually, there was a group of people in the Bible, the disciplines was the end. Did I remember their name? We don't want to be like them. We don't want to miss Jesus. Okay? And that's why, you know, again, Paul tells Timothy, train yourself for godliness. And here's what I say training, here's what I mean. Training defined as I arrange my life around those practices that enable me to do with power what I cannot currently do by direct effort. I arrange my life around those practices that enable me to do with power. What I cannot currently do by direct effort. Now, I told you when we started, I would end, hopefully, this won't fall apart. I would end giving you some practicals. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna tie in what we talked about last week to this week, okay? Because if we want to not make this just a good class on Monday nights, like I want to pursue a slowing. I want to be someone who marries the contemplative with the charismatic. I want to undermine the malformation going on with formation. Then God has given you practices to be able to do that. Otherwise, he'd be a horrible heavenly father. He has given you practices to experience that. The way we're going to break them down is in the, there's practices of engagement and there's practices of abstinence. I'll break this down more next week. But engagement is obviously due, abstinence is don't do so. Let's just say, Is there something in my life that I'm not doing? Let's say I'm not experiencing joy. If I'm not experiencing joy, then I might need to do something to experience that. This is why it feels like every other chapter in the Bible you're like, And then the Jews had a feast. We ought to do that. I mean, they just practiced this. So people are like, I'm just a four on the Enneagram, i a five, I'm a six. It doesn't come natural as the sevens who are always like partying and never have a problem, you know, it just, just they're the loud extroverts just going for it. But there is a, there were people in those days who practiced this, trained at this, not go try harder. We'll see you next week. But it was a practice. You with me? Let's take something else. What's something I'm doing? Let's say I'm struggling with lust. Instead of beating myself up for this, I want to think, If I'm doing something, then maybe the way I could think about it is there might be a practice of not doing that would help me with this, like fasting. Because fasting teaches me I cannot have one of my appetites satisfied and I can survive and then thrive. So this can teach me I went three days without eating any food, didn't die, I made it. Did you encounter God? No, I was mad at everybody more than ever, but I made it. (laughs) Next time, yeah, I was only mad two days. One day I actually prayed and felt God. I'm learning I can curb my appetites, and I can curb that one. Not because of me, because the Holy Spirit is becoming the dominant force in my life, more than my society, more than my phone, anything else. Y'all understanding what I'm saying here? I hope you get this because this is where last week's material collides with this last week's and this week's. Because last week I said there were several primary emotions we were all dealing with. What were they? Anger, Anxiety, anxiety, and shame. That's exactly right. The truth is that there's lies attached to all of those. So even Andrew, you're kind of talking us back through that. You may not even realize that there are certain lies that are attached to those different emotions that you feel and I said them in an in in interview that I did with Jimmy that because this really helped me to begin to understand that there's a lie under anger that says I am what I do I am what I do this was very hard for this is this is why uh, when I did not have ministry to do for a year I went into an identity crisis Whereas beforehand, I'd been like, oh, it'd be great to not do ministry for a while. All of a sudden, I didn't have any, and it was like, I don't know who I am anymore. A lot of our missionaries' experiences and they come home, like, I, I don't know who I am anymore. A lot of people lose their job at 55 years old, and they go, I didn't expect this. I don't know who I am anymore. And so we start to feel this irritability, and people feel it from us, and we're just like, I don't know what's going on. It's because there's a, there's a narrative of I am what I do, and I'm not doing anything. And so we might sense my irritability, it's actually much deeper. It was a little landmine planted. Um, as I said, anger often is repressed shame. And so I am what others feel about me or say about me. Could, could be something that plays in your head, as I said last week, feeling stupid. is actually, uh, we could do, I wish I could do a whole retreat about the shame work that we might need to all do to be liberated, but I don't have time for that. But anxiety said, I am what I have. And that can also just not mean stuff. That can be like, I have wisdom. So if I'm getting older and no one's wanting me to mentor them and no one cares about what I think in this church, like, then what do I have? And I could actually start to feel some of those things we talked about last week that are actually more attributed to the lie that I'm experiencing than anything else. So everybody with me so far? Okay. So If that's the case, if these are lies, then what God does is he gives us practices of abstinence to deal with these things. He's so gracious that in his scriptures, and we're going to look at some of the scriptures next week, he says, here's what I want to give you. Let's go to the next slide. I want to give you stillness in your body that will counteract the lie, I am what I do. I want to give you the gift of stillness, not stillness like I'm going to go sit over here and pray, though that could be too. But just to sit and be still and do nothing and to be reminded I am more than what I do. I watched a documentary over my sabbatical about Michael Phelps that talked about a lot of his collapse that he dealt with after the Olympics. And his big quote to me was, I had to figure out who am I outside of the pool. Because in the water, I was a champion. And the second I got out of the water, I did not know who I was. And we all, everybody loves to kind of, we love to tear people down, build them up, tear them down, so we're all just watching his collapse, and everybody's loving it, and it's going viral, just to, everybody's watching his TikToks and all the things that he's doing and his drugs and all that stuff. It's, when you get still is when you are reminded, I am more than what I do, and that is the inner work of the Holy Spirit. Then there's solitude in your heart, where I'm reminded, I am more than what others do feel about me, because then I'm not with them. I'm going away. I'm doing a little personal day or retreat or a little half day for a few hours, and I'm not around anybody else. And again, some of you extroverts are like, well, I'm sure introverts love that. Like that's their whole life. That's what they're shooting for. And I would say yes and no. They might lean towards that way, but it's not, it's, this is, I'm not. what I'm talking about here, it's not about being by yourself. It's can you be with yourself? Because there is where the chaos inside comes out. And when I preached on Jehovah Shalom at church uh, this summer, a friend of mine reached out and he said, Carl, everybody thinks I'm the most peaceful individual. They have no idea. I cannot sleep. I'm up every day by 3 a.m. And I live in a constant world of churning. So he was sending me pictures because I I were there. I did these practices that we did. And so he's like, I would get these pictures throughout the day where he was going like this, like, I am having to practice. It just doesn't come natural, even though he loves me by himself. He has a peaceful demeanor. There is an inner work that the Holy Spirit was doing to bring renewal and is still doing in him. Again, a slow work. Silence in your mind. I am more... Than what I have. And again, when I first started practicing these, guys, um, I, I'm, I'm joking about it, but it really wasn't a joke. The, the adrenaline withdrawals I was going through, it, I'd never done drugs, so I can't put it there. But when I would hear people talk about drug withdrawals, I was like, that's what I experienced. It wasn't just, it was literally like I'm having this weird dopamine hit and so my mind was racing, my emotions were racing, and that's why when I got to five months and thought I need to extend my sabbatical, my wife was like, oh, heck no, you're going back to work, you're going to be with people, you're going to be loving on folks, and they're going to love on you, you are not going to sit in this house, because she was watching this happen, while my counselor was going, this could not be more healthy, and I was like, this is not healthy, like, this is dark, and this is crazy, and he was like, no, you're, it's always been there, you just covered it up with activity. And your dad's an alcoholic. He learned to do that through drinking. You just have a lot of other more acceptable things you do, like busyness, that you get high fives for in your line of work. It's still there, but to get to the renewal, you're going to have to learn to be in that place. It was not awesome. So I say it was beautiful and horrendous and a gift and a curse all at the same time of what God was trying to bring me in. Now, again, I thought I would have looked at that in the past and said, that's what I'm doing. I spend time with Jesus every day. But I realized this is different. This was not like, did you get up and did you put on the worship music and uh, worship engage your heart and then read the word of God and then pray, look up, look in, look out, the things I do. Did you, did you wait on God? Get God, what do you have for today? Look at my schedule. Is it aligned to my values? All those things that I do and have taught people to do for years. I did part of that, but part of this was different for me because this was not I'm just going to sit here until God speaks. This is like, could I actually just sit here in his presence and aim my heart his direction? Uh, I heard another quote of a man that said, I take time every day to let God love me. So I sit in solitude and stillness and let him love me. I was like, what do I do? That's how you know that you got some work to do if you're like, what do I do? Like, what if you just sat there and did nothing, just let him love you? This was, this was kind of mind-blowing for me. Like, how many people do you have in your life, you could get in the car, not say a word, drive about four hours, and it'd be totally okay that you all said nothing the whole time? I think I've got two, Maybe? If you say, Carl, could you do that with Jesus? I'd be like, oh, no. Why? Because prayer is talking to God and God talking back. And I don't know how to just relax into God's goodness. But God was giving me a gift. It was a painful gift, but it was a gift of stillness, silence, and solitude to to counteract the lies, so that he as a father could erase lies and speak truth, sometimes by not speaking, just being with me. Now I'm going to unpack this more in the weeks to come, but I don't want to unpack it unless you get to oh, other oh, no, unless you get to do that. All right Now, unless the other circle, which said will, heart, spirit, I want you to be able to experience it. So why don't you do that, right now? I want you to just kind of put your stuff down and I'm going to take a few minutes here. I'm going to set a timer on my phone for three minutes. And I know you won't see that timer. But I want you just to, again, kind of take a few deep breaths, just maybe open your palms or not if you don't want to, and we're just going to sit in stillness, and the only thing I want you to do is just to aim the attention and the affection of your heart toward him. No words said, just be with him. I'll close that by saying Amen in three minutes. Just be with Him and practice. Jesus' name, Amen. I actually cut you off a little bit, soon sooner than three minutes. But, um, but I did it because I want, I want to do something different. Just again, if your eyes are closed, I just keep thinking about that phrase that that gentleman said. I take time every day just to let him love me. And remember, we're just practicing. I'm sure you had a lot of thoughts go through your mind. That you were like, "I'm not doing good at this." You know, again, this is practice. This is what it's for. You're stepping into the training where you do those things that you cannot currently do with power. You're arranging your life around those things in order to set you up for later. I just want you just to sit here for a couple minutes and just let him love you. He might say something to you, but if he doesn't, then the goal will just be that you feel the smile of God. These next two minutes, just, just let him love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'd love to spend lots of time unpacking how was that for you. And I'm sure some people will be like, I don't know. I just felt like I sat there and it was quiet. Practice, right? Your goal tonight was not to win the Super Bowl. Actually, your goal is to look at that little chart and to go, what are these lies do I tend to lean more towards than the other. Remember, I even said, if you're into the Enneagram, eight, nine, and one often is in the anger triad, two, three, four, and the shame, five, six, seven, and the anxiety. Being a one of the two wing, I began to understand why the I am what I have lie, it just doesn't even phase me. It does, just not as much. I tend to go to those other two, and so I made a crafted prayer around those other two lies that remind me I am not what I do today. And I'm not what others say about me. Jesus, you alone are my source of life, my foundation. And so some of these practices that I do, I do some days. Today, I was about to come in here, and I had not even done any silence today. And I thought, well, you're about to go tell them. Probably ought to do it, you know. I just sat down and said, Lord, just come love me. Just so that I don't walk out of here and think, how'd the class go? Because that's what Blair's going to say, how'd it go? And what if I'm like, I don't know, it's horrible. And they, half of them were asleep. You know, got—I like I went horrible. I got confused in my notes and I didn't really say anything that made sense and the numbers are just going to keep shrinking. I need to walk out of here and say, but I'm not what I do. And I'm not what you think about me. I just hope I didn't waste your time tonight. So that's my thing. I hope I didn't waste your time. I just want to get better at the craft and, and engagement and love you, but I need to walk out of here and say, I am not what I do and I am not what others say about me. So I practiced six minutes of silence before I came in here to remind myself of that regardless of what you think out the night went with me and feel free to give me any feedback you want to give me if it went good or bad, but I've just done the work inside. Hopefully that my ego didn't drive tonight. Jesus did. So I want to encourage you now as we wrap up our time to know that we're going to unpa- keep unpacking this next week, but in the middle of your table, you have some pictures of Jesus six, seven, eight different types of pictures of Jesus some from TV shows or movies, some people have uh, painted or whatever. And I just want you to look at them and see which one kind of speaks to you. And I want you to take that picture. And I want to encourage you this week to set your own timers, maybe for three minutes, whenever you can remember, and just stare at that picture. Sometimes we need something to do while we're learning not to do something. And just staring at that picture can really be a benefit. And if everybody wants the same picture, then just use your phone and take a picture. But we've got some different ones here. But I want to give you an encouragement just to look at those pictures. Which one do you resonate with? Take that with you and make that a meditation for you this week. A part of your silence and stillness is just to look at that picture, interact with that picture. Maybe emotions will come up of what you feel. Bring that to the Lord in honesty and just let that be kind of a, temp, a contemplative practice you can use to, to marry with the other practices. When we come back next week, we're going to unpack these even more. So I hope that that will be a blessing to you. Sound good? So take the Jesus picture. Don't take the other picture from the long tables. Leave those pictures. Take the Jesus picture with you. And if everybody wants the same one, take a phone picture with you. And uh, my encouragement this week Go right right into those lies by combating them with these practices of silence. And we'll see you back next week for week five, okay? at 7.32. I want to bless you. So love you guys. Thanks for coming back week after week. We'll see you next week.